0: Hey, this is Derek Wilson from Future Man, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box.
1: The following podcast contains adult subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. I'm Gabe, and today on this special interview episode, I am more than honored to have writer, director, musician, cannibal, or cannibal, cannabis rights activist, (laughs) comedian, and crazed hermit in the woods, Tommy Chong. How are you today, Tommy Chong? I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Thank
2: you for that long and... Confusing intro. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) I definitely uh, put you in the corner of cannibals there for a second. So sorry about that. Well, that's okay. That's (laughs) okay. I'm Canadian. No, I'm Chinese. We eat anything. Yeah. (laughs) So looking back on uh, your acting career, and I want to just jump right into it with Color Out of Space seems to be one of the only horror films that you've ever been in. It, it is the
2: only only horror film that I was in, and uh, I'm not a horror movie. Well, as a movie maker, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan. But as a watcher, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I do too many too many. Uh, uh, I smoke too much pot to look at scary movies,
0: you know. Because <laughs> uh, it's actually I might be favorite. able to sleep, you know. <laughs> It's actually my favorite way to watch a scary movie. So <laughs> how is making the color out of space different than than the typical movies or like a Cheech and Chong movie or doing that 70s show, which is comedic? Well, yeah, it's, it, it was um, comedy. Is, it's, it's,
2: and it's, it's the same. It's actually the same. The only difference is instead of going for laughs, you're going for the screams, you know? I, I like horror movies uh, because of the, the, there's a f- philosophical side to every every horror movie, you know. When you, when you decide that there's nothing we can do except <laughs> go to God, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then I like that part of it. And the other thing about uh, Colorado Space is I, I was totally into character, whereas. Uh, The Seventy show, or Up in Smoke or Cheech and Chong, you know, it really is a person, you know, it is who I am only to the nth degree, you know. But when I had to play a character like in uh, Ezra in Color Out of Space, you know, I really had to become a character, another character. And because of my age and and my laziness, you know, I, I don't really memorize scripts very well. Because I'm, I, you know, I'm such an improv actor that I, uh, <clears throat> you, you know, would usually wait, shoot a couple of scenes and see what it's needed, you know, and then go in and sp- spice it up. But with uh, this movie, we, we come up with the technique, you know, because these guys, you know, the director and that, they're pros. And, and they're used to working with old actors. And when old actors do what we do, we, we get a little earpiece. You know, and so we get, we get fed the, the line through the earpiece, which, which is really uh, letting the director have a part in, in your performance. You know, I, I did that a couple of times. I did it with that Silent Bob movie, and I did it with uh, Color Out of Space. And then when I, I couldn't wear the earpiece, you know, when I really had to go in there the the director uh stanley is it? yeah he, he's an old pro if you're no pro director what you do when you get your old actor in there you you get it in such a way you ask the right questions you know and then we respond we respond and so there's no long speeches you know what i'm saying there's more and, and and whatever speeches there is, I, what what, what he let me do is let me ramble on one direction, and then if we had to do it again, he'd say okay, but emphasize this instead, you know. And and so you get that natural performance, which I did, yeah. which I thought was very very natural and very uh, you know because when you get a certain age, <laughs> you're just more worried about when you're going to eat again. <laughs> <laughs> Then you are about the, the, like when we were young, you know, up in smoke, you know, that was our careers at, a, you know, at stake. And so we really put out the energy. But when you're an actor, uh, sometimes uh, you, you, they don't want you to put out that energy. You know, sometimes they would rather you, you know, do according to their script. And so I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the process. I saw a little bit from Marlon Brando. Because later on, I, I studied all these guys, and Jack Nicholson, too. You know, later on in their lives, you know, after memorizing so many scripts, you know, you uh, you you can forget one script and start doing another. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> depends on where your your
0: mind is. You know?
2: But I, what I call director assist. I, I can do anything, you know. Just tell That's me what awesome. to do. And
0: <laughs> so... You're, you're a cultural icon at this point. You're somebody that my dad recognizes and loves and somebody that, like, my kid recognizes and loves. Yeah. So, like, from, I mean, decades and decades of, of people watching your movies, laughing at your jokes, when you first started working in entertainment, what, what was your ultimate goal besides, you know, pay the bills? Uh, my, um, my ultimate goal always was to entertain you know, like do the
2: job at hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like uh, people that that sand floors for a living. You know, uh, it, it's it's much the, the same as acting. You know, you got a job at hand. Uh, you got to do your job, and you got to make whoever paying you happy. Right. <laughs> see, that's the main thing, you see. And and that was the difference with 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 entertainment. With me, I started out playing guitar. I could play guitar quite early, uh, eight years old. I, I picked it up, and there's a fiddle player across the, the field from where we lived who built his own house. And then turns out he's one of these jack-of-all-trade guys. You know, he could play a fiddle. But he always needed a guitar backup. And the guy that was usually playing guitar backup with him, you know, uh, we lived in the country, so the guy couldn't make it a, to this party one time, and and so they knew that I could play guitar. So next thing you know, I'm sitting beside the fiddle player, and I'm the backup guitar player. And so I learned how to play backup guitar uh, for dances, which is a lot different than learn. You know, taking lessons from a, a music teacher and they teach you a song and then you play it, and then you just stay on that one song. Well, with me, I was doing dances, so I had to learn. Uh, you know, at least 10 different songs uh, different and play them all the way through without stopping. uh, You know? And so I developed some really, some really good chops doing that at a real early age. And that, that training, you know, as apprentice, I was an apprentice, but I was apprentice dance hall music (laughs) player. You know, (laughs) it wasn't, I didn't learn the guitar. In fact, you know, I never really had an interest in learning music for music's sake. When I was, you know, growing up in the country, you had chores, you see. And playing guitar was like one of my chores that I really enjoyed. But it was tough, was very tough. But I learned discipline, and I learned to, sweat, to sit through the horrible long hours, you know, right. and, and do it, and come out on top. Very early in, in, in my life, and so that when I ended up hooking up with uh, you know the the singers you know the, where we started our own band because up until then I was backup guitar playing for everybody and and but that gave me that gave me a good view of of what's going on but not doing it so I got to study and so I studied uh, you know uh, then we started playing clubs and I started you know uh, being around comedians you know that would come on first and you'd sit through and listen l- listen to their act you see their act and <clears throat> pick up jokes and then hanging out with other musicians and, and more, like especially jazz mus- musicians they're they're expert comedians every one of them every jazz musician i know has a joke that is so funny and they know exactly when to tell it and so on timing timing. right so i learned all that from you know my early uh, uh years of playing music and then i then that was the only thing i wanted to do you know i went all through school and everything else but the only thing that really got my attention was being a musician and and not just being a you know like a symphony orchestra like i i never really got into classical music until way later but playing for people and making people happy that that was the bug that got me
0: and and it's carried me right to where i am today that's awesome you know it's it's interesting to hear you talk about about the discipline of like learning how to play music learning how to do comedy learning how to become what you are a writer and a director and all these other things you know especially considering that that most people would would think of you maybe as undisciplined because of the act that you portray in the movies you know, when you're differentiating those two things in your life, is it difficult sometimes? You know, do people approach you in weird ways or do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have to respond oh, oh, and be oh, like this? Oh. I'm not like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I, again, you know, it's a,
0: what I learned, especially with the
2: from the fiddle player, you know, be in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, play the song you're playing concentrate on that make that the best song ever you see that's what he taught me and he taught me to to keep the rhythm be consistent in other words and then do the job at hand you know if someone wants to hear the same tune over and over again that's their that's your right they paid you to do that and so you play the same song over and over again and then I got with then when I got with Motown you know I, I got with a real Motown singer, you know, Bobby Taylor, he had discipline too. Now he taught me how to sing. You know, before that, I never said a word. I never talked on the mic except to say, "Uh, we're going to take an intermission now. We'll be back (laughs) in 15 minutes. That was my only rap in the mic. I had no interest in in being a singer and being a rap, you know, talking until I met Bobby Taylor. Now Bobby Taylor had a singing background. Well, background singing, I mean, you're a singer. Yeah. and you had to hit notes, and you had to hit notes while you're playing guitar at the same time, <laughs> and doing steps, and so that that again that took a lot of discipline, a lot of learning, a lot of sweat and tears, and, and but I learned how to sing, and then somewhere along the line, where was it? I forget where it was. Oh, my wife, she she's a astute. You know, she she was really good in school. She graduated with honors and and she never went to university. She should have went to art school. She's a fine, fine artist. But she learns everything from the numbers, you know, learns everything from scratch. And so I had her on stage with me because she's too beautiful to leave at home. And so I (laughs) put her in the act. And part of the act, you know, I sing. And so she was singing backup and so she's a she likes to take lessons to learn how to do that and so she started taking singing lessons and so because i was hanging around i i ended up uh, doing some singing lessons too well the singing coach she heard my voice she goes oh wow you got a natural voice good voice and so she pointed that out to me and so then uh, uh, i now i switched from guitar To to sing it now, I started learning how to sing, you know, and so it's the same thing. I put in the work. I I listened to Sinatra over and over again, Nat King Cole over and over again. I took singing lessons from uh, when I was on the Mass Singer, and that's the key. The key is is getting the best teacher. Hmm. That's a shortcut to anything. It's like reading directions. You know, you get something, and the last thing you do is read directions. Well. My wife is the kind that will first. She'll read directions first.
0: (laughs) Probably more like me. You you read directions second. I assume. Yeah, to see where you went wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's
2: what I was supposed to do. No, if you had done it first, you wouldn't have had that problem. But then again, if you hadn't done your research,
0: you wouldn't have bought that thing that you can't put together. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So. One of my favorite things to do is is get high and read. Uh, and one of my favorite authors to read when I'm doing that is is H.P. Lovecraft, who uh, wrote the short story that The Color Out of Space is based on. You know, he writes these very expansive, like, you know, scapes of just craziness. And it, it's always really fun for me. Were you familiar at all with his writing before you made the movie, or did you have to read the story before you worked on the movie? You know, I got
2: turned on to science fiction really early in my life. And it's the funniest thing. I got We had outhouses <laughs> when I was growing up. But my dad was Chinese, and he built this beautiful outhouse. It was more like a sauna, you know. With with uh, with the holes in the in the seats, <laughs> and, but and he used to bring different books. Back in the day, you know, we had no television or uh, we had radio, but uh, you know, I, it was mostly music. But for for literature, you know, we were kids, and of course, we had a comic book collection.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But my my dad liked science fiction, and so I got into science fiction reading. Man, that was wow! In 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 the outhouse, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, that was like our library. I got it. I got heavy, not heavy into. I, I was never heavy into anything, you know. Right. Just like when you're when you're growing up on a farm, you do chores. You do what's necessary to live, and so you have to, you know, bring in the wood and, and carry out the carry the water. Had do all those chores or do your homework yeah <laughs> or read a book you know what i mean there was no leisure time in the country
0: i'm and, definitely uh, going to play this moment for my 9 year old just so you know <laughs> read a book do your homework <laughs> yes yes but but that that is a um,
2: oh oh i i got a tip for you man, for your listeners when i had cancer i was recovering and I got bad eyes anyway, but I, I couldn't have, uh, you know, I couldn't read when I was laid up. And so I had my daughters my, from my first marriage. Uh, they would come over and they'd read to me. My favorite book is, um, they're, they're spiritual books by uh, different uh, spiritual writers. Like Joel S. Goldsmith is is one writer. If you want to check him out, he's really good. Emmett Fox is another. And these are books that uh, you know, they're spiritual books, so you can read them over and over and over and over again, you know, uh, and get always get something out of it. So I had my daughters read to me and two things happened Man, First of all, I got to hear those words again. And then second of all, my kids, my daughters got to read them. And you can't read a spiritual book without being affected. Right. Because it's very personal. And so now we've got a little tradition where my daughters come over, they'll phone up, do you want a chapter, Dad? And, and so I say, yeah, of course. And so they come over and they read a chapter to me. And so what I do, I pay them for it. I pay them, a, a you know, I, I give them a, a nice little chunk of money every time they do that. And so they got an incentive to come over to read to me. But they also walk away with the knowledge of what they've read. Try that with your nine-year-old. If you want him to figure out something, say, "Listen, hey, do me. A, what, what is it? Read this for me, and let him read it for you. And then, without correcting it, just let him read it. That's it. Thank you. Okay. And, or if you want to be like me, when you pay him, uh, they, they kind of have an excuse to get to read to you a few more times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she'd really she'd really like that. <laughs> I think I'm definitely gonna try that with her. That's awesome. Oh, it's incredible. It's
2: incredible. Because <laughs> you're making them do something that, you know, instead of you reading to them, you know, right. their minds can wander. But when they're reading to you, they're they gotta concentrate on what they're doing. Huh. And and when they do that, they get they get the benefit. Of what you're reading, so it's it's it, it's incredible. Uh, I do that again with my wife. My son just got married, and uh, she's uh, from Indonesia, and so she was having a hard time. She's pregnant. She she had a baby. You know, we got a new little granddaughter, but she's you know miles from her home, and she was feeling you know postpartum. You know, the depression from having the baby and everything else. And so she was kind of going crazy. And so my son phones me up right away. Dad, <laughs> help. <laughs> and so I went over there with the book. And I said, can you do me a favor? Will you read to me? And so she read to me. And uh, it can't help but change everybody. Because you're reading these beautiful truths, you know, that that explains so much. And for some reason, I don't know if it's, how freaky it is, but whatever was bothering her, the mess, the book gave the, gave her the, the the out, you know what I mean? Relieved, relieved the pressure, relieved the, the, the the fear. And so, I, I talked to my son later, and he goes, I don't know what you did, dad, but (laughs) everything's fine. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's it's a beautiful thing you know <clears throat> because the spiritual books that i'm talking about emmett fox for instance what he does he explains the bible see the bible was never meant to be taken verbatim the the bible really is stories like fairy tales of that that could happen to anybody right and and there are code words in the Bible itself. Like when they say "baby," for instance, uh, it, it has a lot deeper meaning than just a, uh, an ordinary child, a baby. It can be a the, the awakening of a new idea, mm. you know, a, a new belief. It's a baby, and it has to be nurtured. It has to be kept, and has to be fed, and has to be protected. You know, and when you learn these things, then you start realizing, oh, all these messages in the Bible, you know, and, and when you see what these evangelicals, you know, they take it out of context, you know, like, for instance, you could uh, uh, pick up snakes without being killed. Well, that that's a metaphor. <laughs> they never meant you to pick up a real snake. What it is, <laughs> it's an idea. You pick up an idea that can kill you, you know. And, and so, when when you get enlightened, you can uh, they can feed you some erroneous idea like what's going on with Trump, but you can see that that poisoned snake. You don't want to touch it. You don't want to go near it. But it's not going to kill you because you know how you you know the reality behind it. And and that's that's what I'm learning now. And I've always learned. You know, I've learned this over over the years. And and that. What you explained, you know, the earlier, you know, the, the uh, introduction, my introduction, it really should have been, this is Tommy Chong, never finished high school, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but instead, uh, uh, Arthur, uh, uh, movie director, I directed five movies, I never went to, I never got to high school, let alone go to film school, you know, how did I do all? Uh, you know what, 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 how did I write a hit song? How did it with motown? How did I do anything? It's not me. It's the power within me. See? And that's that eternal power that it's in all of us. And it's uh, the ones that really go go to great heights are the ones that found that power and they know how to use it. And that—that's what I'm doing, and 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 everybody can't do it because everybody's here for a different reason, you know. We're, we're all of us are here uh, for for a couple of reasons. One is to populate the planet, the, to keep it going, and the other is to help each other. And that really is it, because if you look at nature, um, like in our kitchen, because it's hot outside, we have got an ant problem, you know. If we leave any bit of food around, ants come like crazy. You know, they, they send out their little uh, scout. And they say, hey, we got the party over here. And boom, we got a zillion ants coming over. And, of course, they are a pests in the kitchen. You know, we get sprays and spray them, kill and everything else. But I was outside working in the yard. And I looked down. Oh, there's another ant colony. And I'm looking at the ants. And I realize their only job is to help the planet to pick up the little scraps the little whatever it is that they call food. And that, that's their only job is to help the planet, the bees. the, the, the That's why, you know, back in the day when they, you, you give your kid a sex talk, it was about the birds and the bees. It's about nature. Right. It's about nature. Everybody's here to help the planet. And I think that's one of the reasons that we ended up with this pandemic because this pandemic is helping the planet. If you notice it stopped all the air traffic or a good deal of it there's no more pollution that was going crazy you know the uh, uh, factories were shut down that were polluting everything that was that was going crazy is shut down yeah glaciers are melting but that's what happens to ice when it gets warm it melts you know and it's not the first time earth has been uh, without ice you know and uh, and and so this is, this is what we have to do as, as a human race. We have, first of all, we have to realize we're all individuals. We are all individuals uh, that we can become a pack. But, you know, just like people with the pandemic, a lot of them, they're dying without being able to hug anybody or, because they come in the world alone. You go out the world alone, no matter uh, who you are. And that's that, that. That's what's happening. And so, what, what I what I what I learned, you know, through the through through, actually asking. You asked about asking. That that's in the Bible too. Again, it, you don't take it verbatim. Like the story about Noah, for instance. Uh, Noah, it's a very homophobic uh, story. You know, having uh, two of each. Uh, you know <laughs> two of each, two of each, you know that's that's man and woman, man and woman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yet in in the story of Noah, Ham takes liberties with his dad, <laughs> he has a homosexual affair with his dad and and is' a no no now see that's all fiction, there was never a flood, yeah, there was a flood, but there was never a flood of that. Of the biblical proportions that right. where, where where Noah built this big boat and got all the animals on there. That's fiction. That was fiction. But it's but it's a kind of fiction that has a message.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: see, for back then that was a message. The really message was is that there's going to be a dove. And there's going to be the flood is going to subside. Uh, no matter. In other words, that's like saying we're we got troubles. Like we got a flood of a pandemic. Going on right now, and, but eventually we will get the uh, the vaccine. Uh, it, it, we will control it like anything else. We'll get it under control, not after, not before. We learn a lesson, which we're learning. So, 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 my 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 point uh, is, if I have one, everything we need is within ourselves. Everything. There's not a thing that we don't have inside us. We just have to go inside to get it. Some of us can do it, other, other of us, not, not at this stage, you know? <laughs> and and that's, that, that's the way life is.
0: That's awesome. Like, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I've been watching your movies and I've been a fan of yours and, you know, kind of followed your career effectively since I was in middle school and i was hoping that when we had this conversation it would be like this where it's you talking about some of those important things that you've learned because this there's so much to the world that i feel like you have seen and experienced and taken in because when i hear you talk in other interviews you're you're so able to express you know, that notion that like anything that you want to do that powers inside of you. And that's something that I've I've been a huge advocate of for for a very long time, you know. And it's yeah. it's it's awesome to hear that from you, I guess, which is weird to say out loud. <laughs> well the the, the the truth is, remember that open sesame
2: Arabian stories, you know? <laughs> and that was a magic word. Open sesame and then the doors would open and there would be all the gold and all the treasures of the, of the thing. And it's a magic word. The, the Arabs were a very brilliant, brilliant, brilliant race of people. They give us so much science, they give us the alphabet, they give us mathematics, you know uh, there's so many things that they discovered. the same as the Hebrews, you see? and the Hebrews so much they give us the, the concept of, of, of the spiritual God. Before that, you know, they were worshiping the sun, the moon, the, the, the rocks, the water, you know. There was yeah. a God of everything. And it wasn't to the, the Hebrews. The, and, and, they, and it was the Hebrews, the shepherds, uh, alone in, in the desert at night, watching over their flock, you know. They, were, they got that, that hit, that, that, that inspirational touch. They were touched. You know, by, by this, this God of spirit, the spirit, you know, God is spirit. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, I, I did one time, I was at this, uh, the Skirball place in uh, L.A. It's a Jewish community center.
0: Okay. And
2: it was very, uh, and, and so what they do, they give awards to comedians, which is a very cheap way of getting a comedian to work without getting paid. <laughs> you know you know and you can pack the joint and uh, and you get a plaque or something you know and so when i got invited to uh, to to do my comedy there uh, they i you know they just knew the name you know they they didn't really know the 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 guy behind the name and so i uh, i uh, went up there and rather than do an act which which if i'm hired to do comedy i'll do comedy. you know if it's a comedy store they went i will do a, a set, but if i'm hired to like now you know to give my views you know uh that's what you get <laughs> so, so I was there and i was I went on a roll and because as you can as you can tell i'll I'll get on a roll you know and i'll be talking especially if I smoked up and so I was on a roll in my way. It was my partner on stage, you know, <laughs> she tried to, <laughs> she was giving me the, okay, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> because that's how, that's how personal religious beliefs are, you know, you can't even wow. share them with your wife. Right. right. Because she's the opposite she she's your uh you know she's one of the ah no no no, I don't believe that you know, you know she's <laughs> the, the yin and the yang <laughs> and so when she she, she started doing this year i i said uh, I laughed, you know because I wasn't going to do it you know i'm not i'm gonna go into comedy, I got so far off, you know, especially in talking about the uh the the, <laughs> the hebrews the, the shepherds and that and, and the uh, and, and and God and uh, <laughs> but I had a guy after come up to me and he wanted to hear more yeah. because that's what happens you know because we're all searching right. whether we know it or not we're all looking huh. you know and and sometimes you know we find it other times we don't and, and for sure uh, we're all here learning that 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 that, that is for sure and, and because you know what I learned. In order for, you know, in the physical universe, uh, there's for every action, there's a reaction, okay? So in order to have up, you have to have down. You can't have just up. You have to have down too. You know, it has, that's the nature of the thing. The magnetic field is a good example. North, south pole. Right. Opposite, positive, negative and then they can be reversed, and they can be reversed again, which is a concept of the electric motor, mm-hmm. you know? And, and and that has always been here. That electric power has always been here. And and that power in the physical universe is what makes us human, you know, mm-hmm. or of or, or flesh, of flesh and bone. We need that in order to exist in in this physical universe in the spiritual universe where there is nothing but love you see that's the greatest thing when you when you look at again the bible was was just talking about man's uh how to how to explain this stuff to man in a in a form where they can understand it you know Mm -hmm. and that's why we invented the devil you know uh, because you had to have the opposite you had, they had the opposite of of, of uh, good. You had to have bad. And, and if you have good, you have to have evil. <laughs> and what's the evilest thing? We had, to, we had to put them in a form that we could understand. And when you do that, it's not real. See, it's not real. And, and that's what, uh, you know, watching Trump uh, go go off on his, his thing. I enjoy Trump because I, I you know, I I know he is a devil. He's not the devil, but he is a devil, mm-hmm. and and that's what's needed. Because without Trump, you can't have a John McCain, for instance. You mm-hmm. know, you have to have the opposites. Not everybody can be heroes. Not everybody can be uh, non heroes. But you have to have one. One will begat be, be, be the other, and and that's what I found. This is just in the physical world. Right now, when you die or when you go into transition, you go into the spiritual world, and God is spirit. And in the spiritual world, there's no want. There's no need. There's no desire. Therefore, there's no evil. (laughs) There's not a a smidgen. Because evil is just an... Evil is just a huge mistake. Just wrong mistake. And like my book said, you know, when you go to heaven... You'll find Hitler up there. You'll find everybody up there, you know, or, you know, in, in that space. And they won't be uh, doing bad things because you can't. There's no need for it. The only need for it, like greed, is it has to be in the physical world. Because what is greed? Well, you you got more than you should have. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Again, and the native native tribes showed us this too, is that it, like in the West Coast natives, they got a, a, a tradition called potlatch. Have you heard of the potlatch?
0: I have, randomly because of a comic book, but yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, a potlatch is, is when the chief acquires so much good, he has a party and he gives everything away, mm-hmm. including food. He gives the food, they give food to the ones that don't have food. He gives clothes to the ones that don't have clothes. He gives canoes to the ones that don't have canoes, you know? And that's his job. And then when he acquires more, he has another potlash. Well, that's the problem with, with, um, with America today. We haven't learned how to do a decent potlash. <laughs> you know you can't do it by by taking someone's stuff they have to do it uh what do you call it without you know on their own they, it has to be done that that's why you, you get a lot of people that are uh wealthy you know they're they running that that's why you you get, you get a lot of, of uh, people doing evil things and you wonder why are they doing that they've got so much why why and and the reason is is that they're all looking everybody is looking for validation. Right. Right. That's what they're looking for. Like with me for instance, I got a lot of Trumpy fans that really like me. Why? Because other people like me. And so when <laughs> we go to a restaurant, you know, oh there's Tommy Trump. Well, oh, you know, and there's a you know, TMZ comes over, talks to me, everybody. And so these rich people that are with me, the Trump supporters you know they love that they love being you know liked and being noticed and everything else and and but the truth is i i i got where i'm at because of what i've done and what i believe you see and and you and 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 that's why the other thing i learned i had to learn in fact i told this on the last podcast is there was a couple of things that you know basically the bible repeats, repeats the same message. It's a very simple message, you know, do unto others as you would do unto you. And, and, and so I, I'm, I was trying to articulate uh, that, you know, as a philosophy. And what I learned is that everybody's on a different path. Yeah. It's like going on a hike and you meet some guy that's been there and, he, and, and you're walking down the, the mountain, and he says to you, what's it like? Well, the best answer is say, go find out. <laughs> right. It's up there. Go look. <laughs> yeah, because I know what it's like for me, but it's going to be different for you. And that's what life is all about. And that's what I've been, that's what I've been grooving on it. And I've been, you know, my message, you know, to my Trump, Trumpy friends, you know, they're, they're so worried. And, uh, because what happens when you get any kind of wealth, then the worries kick in. Because are you going to keep it? Is it going to be gone? Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like when you're homeless, for instance, you don't have much much to worry about. Except whether the tent's going to leak or not, you know, or if you have a tent, or someone's going to yeah. be in spot when I get there. You know what I mean? But right. other than that, you don't have rent to pay. You don't have kids. To, you know, you got all that freedom. And that's why I don't feel the, the least bit sorry for, for homeless or, or, or people, because everybody's going through their own, their own uh, uh, learning curve. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I found out. And, and that's, that's what I, what I learned with well, Cheech and I, too, when we, like, Cheech and I broke up. Why? Because we had done everything that we could have done together. Now we had to go off on our own to learn to do things separately, and we're still together. We can still be together, but we we also got a a, another life, you know, with the thing. We 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 lived our lives. You don't just live in that one one uh, bubble, you know. Right? You, you, You try all the bubbles.
0: That's awesome. Well. I better wrap this interview up before I get in trouble with with your people because everybody has people. <laughs> but, oh, JP! <laughs> <laughs> but before I do, I just want to ask you know what kind of things can we look forward to from Tommy Chong? What kind of things can we find on the internet, and how can we find you?
2: Well, I've I've got a lot of requests for these breath strips that we're we're we we're, we're selling here. Just. You know, these uh these are um, like little breast strips. I got it upside down there. And and what they do they they it's a it's a nice high. Yeah. It's like it's like smoking a real big doobie. And uh it, I had it upside down again. Oh here it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so you can go on tommychung.com and uh and Uh, go on the, uh, what do you call it? Product, products. And then you can go find out where the products are, are, are available. They're hard to find. My, my Trumpy friends, always they love the strips. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They love it. And, but they always, they're con man, like Trump, you know? Yeah. Oh, Tom, you know, I looked all over for him. I I had my secretary look for him. You know, we can't find these anywhere, which is, uh, Trump talked for, uh, just give me some more free ones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just keep
2: giving um. me the free ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're opening uh, Cheech and Chong dispensaries. Oh, and awesome. They're called dispensarias. Uh, we're going to be in uh, five states, but we're going to be in uh, San Francisco first. We're working on it now in L.A. We're going to get uh, stores going there in the Strongholds, in the Cheech and Chong land. There, oh, once we got that going, I've got a a bomb company. used to be our our competitor, Jerome Baker. He makes the greatest glass bombs. There was two companies, uh, Chong Glass, which I got busted for, and Jerome Baker. And so we've teamed up. And Jerome Baker has created this. um, It was a million-dollar bomb, but now it's a billion-dollar bomb because, you know, millions, everybody can be, get a million, a billion-dollar bomb, and we're going to tour uh, as soon as we can, uh, maybe do drive-ins and stuff like that, but we're going to tour with, with our bomb collection. It's art. It's a, the high art class. That's awesome. So, you know, there was, like, they have Lalique, and, you know, they make these vases and these great glass thing, collections, and they're worth uh, a lot of money. And so we're we're creating a, a an art, high art, with the glass bongs. This is this is a chong bong. Oh wow! This is one that he made. Now these are just just so gorgeous, and they're so nice. the smoke out of. But to be honest with you, Cheech but he got a collection of chong glass bongs, and he just puts them away, stores them away. Yeah, and he's got them stored away now, and so the they were like a couple of thousand back then. Now they're at least double that. Hmm. This is where you keep your money.
1: You know, the rich people.
2: Yeah. You get a nice collection. You get a nice art collection. And so we're going to be going around the country selling, uh, high art glass and low art glass too, by the way. You know, I, that's what, that's my, uh, expertise. Oh, I got to show you this one. This is, this is
0: this is my my latest pipe this is <laughs> did you, your pipe do you make it out of no, I, found it some,
2: I found some beautiful uh, ironwood mm-hmm. it's called ironwood from the desert now what I did I'm getting old you know I'm not that good at carving that but I I, I I cut it in such a way and I looked at it and said, oh that's a nice sculpture <laughs> then I started staring at it and I thought well if I made a pipe how would I do it so what I did, I put the bowl here, the bottom, oh, no. and the stem here. But what it does, it just is, is, is stands on its own. It's it's, it's an art. It's a <laughs> it's a sculptor, sculpture, because <laughs> and it's a one of a kind. And so this this I'm not selling any any of these while I'm still alive, right? <laughs> what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to just keep making these and storing them. I've got some other bonds that I, I will, when we do our bong uh, show, I will be selling a limited, very limited amount because it, these things, after I'm gone, especially they'll be priceless. You know, I got a original Tommy Chong pipe, man. <laughs> I saw it on TV. I saw it on the show. And now I got it. It's one of a kind. You don't get, you, there's not another one like it. And that way, it, it keeps its value. And not only it keeps its value, the value raises. There are very little things, you know, that, that keep value like that. Yeah. You know, guitars is one of them. If you've got the right guitar, you know, mm-hmm. it'll increase in value. But it's a personalized thing, going back to who we are. We're one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. And if you've got a, a pipe, now I make these necklaces, they're called not pipes uh again, you know, my friend's, where can I buy one? And I said, nowhere.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause when I'm dead, then, then that's my
2: inheritance for my
0: kids. Right. For my family. And like a really amazing legacy to leave behind too like it's not like you've created this amazing body of like film and comedy and music and sculpture like you're yeah you you are a man of all trades you know the jack of all trades that taught you in your past how to play guitar you have become that man so yeah
2: yeah and and the thing is I, i i give glory to 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 the where the power came from you know, and the power's there, and it's eternal. It's eternal. It'll, it'll go forever. When I'm gone, I'm not gone. I, I'm just rebooting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm just going back and, and, and get the next uh, assignment. I saw a, a, I saw a couple of shows. I got to tell you really, really quickly. Yeah, Jermaine fine. Jackson, you know, the Jackson 5? Mm-hmm. He was on this show where he's in Africa. I think Nigeria. I think is around there. And they're on this island where they used to, the last stop, where they would put the slaves, where they, they in, imprisoned the slaves. And it was called Ellis Island, I think. And so while Germain was there, he met an artist. And the artist did this sculpture of this, this black man in chains. And he's, he's breaking through with chains and he's pointing to heaven. And then they asked him, What's, what was the name of the island? And the artist said, "Well, it was called Ellis Island, but we're going to. It should be called Kunta Kunta Island, after the first Mandingo, you know, the the slave uh, in in roots." Mm-hmm. And so, and now Africa is run by Africans, black Africans, and so the king got word of it. It hit the paper, and so the king made a pro proclamation, they changed the name from Ellis Island. Now look at, just think of it. Huh. In the, in their head, they were enslaved so long, and for so, uh, you know, uh, for, for so long that they accepted the name of a, of a white slave owner as the name of that island in their land. Hmm. And it wasn't until an artist come along and says, no, that's Kuntakunti Island, because he was the guy that was imprisoned. You know the guy they they named it I after. Mean, he had nothing to do with it. Kanta was there, and they, they showed this little cell that they put the big slaves in to break up. You know because it's so crowded, and and you know the ones would die, the weak would die, the strong would survive, and so they named it. They renamed the island Kunta Kunti. and and then they had a celebration. They had all the blacks coming with their dancing and their drums and everything else. And it was so liberating, because you know what they liberated? Their own mind. They were no longer slaves. Now they own the land. They have the power to name the land. And so that, that enlightenment, and, that, and that's what we, where we are. You see, that's, once you get clarity, then you can look around, and that clarity comes from God. Once you look at the world through God's eyes, all you do, all you see now is, is beauty and, and, and you behold the, the glories. Because everything else is just momentarily working toward the same cause. You know, like we're, we're whipping through space very fast. We're whipping through space at a speed of 1,036 miles an hour. And that's not going to stop. And when it does, there'll be another uh, planet that, or whatever, or maybe something, uh, maybe we're in another uh, universe, who who knows. Uh, But right now, see, right this very instant is what you imagine it to be. (laughs) And that was the great thing about getting back to the movie. Wasn't it weird? The weirdest thing about that movie, I shot that movie, and a year later, a pandemic, this pandemic hit, exactly like Ira said in the movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> I was crazy. I was watching it again yesterday. I was like, oh, that's weirdly ironic. <laughs> so I don't know. That's it's crazy. not ironic. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been
2: a party to a lot of this, this deja vu. I've been there before. You know, I remember that happening. Well, look at Cheech and Chong movie. Look at our movies. Mm-hmm in nice dreams we're selling weed out of an ice cream truck and guess what Uh, when we go on the road we're going to be selling weed of an ice cream truck
0: (laughs) legally right well that is amazing Tommy Chong thank you so much for being on our show like this is I mean this is honestly like one of my life goals is to have a conversation with you so thank you very much I check that one off of the bucket list (laughs) oh good okay then Thank you. (laughs)
1: The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is made available by its creators, Juan, John, and Gabe. The podcast is edited and produced by Juan, and Albi is the co-executive producer. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is a barren Space production.